What's up, life changers, healers, deep feelers, and hope dealers? The Life Alive podcast is a voice for all people to share their healing stories and a resource for you to tap into your higher love and human potential. This is your host, Doc Schrock. Let's heal, grow, and flow. Welcome back. It's Doc Schrock, and we got this thing going for 2023. Welcome to the Life Live podcast. I want to introduce my uh, great friend that uh, I went through chiropractic school with, actually, and my colleague over in Ohio at Tone of Life Chiropractic, Daniel Continenza. Dr. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Ryan. Glad to be here, man. I am so, I actually just realized the last guest I had um, just before uh, on the same series, using stress to your advantage was also Dr. Daniel. So is that, we're getting the double Dan, Dr. Daniel dose. We'll go, um, we'll go, with Dr., go, go with Dr. Dan today, so keep it separate. In okay, good. We'll go Dr. With Dr. Dan. We're good. going with Dr. Dan today. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, family today proactive, positive healthcare that is different from the mainstream healthcare. And I also want to start off with talking a little bit about your practice and uh, something unique that you do in your practice for fine tuning and personalizing your care. And what I mean by that, Dr. Dan, is the blend of craniosacral work and chiropractic work that you use with families at, in your practice. So people can just get to know a little bit about how you do what you do. And, um, we also both know that we're both brain-based chiropractors. So, mm-hmm. uh, enlighten us, tell us a little bit about the family care you render and how that blend is, is, um, is the, like the special blend or the fine tuning that, uh, that you feel like works well with families. Yeah, absolutely, man. So that's, you know, I'm really blessed that, uh, my wife is in practice with me and she's a craniosacral therapist, which is not something that's super well known, although I'm sure a lot of folks listening will have heard that word craniosacral therapy. So that's your head and that's your tail, right? Um, and Tell it's a us a little bit more about that, just so yeah, people do sure. have like a little bit of introduction about how it works. Yeah, absolutely. So so we're essentially talking about the, the two ends of the spine, you know, it's your head and it's your, and it's your sacrum. And what's unique about those two ends of the spine, well, there's multiple things. One uh, is that from a, what we call a, a autonomic nervous system standpoint, so we're talking about fight or flight and it's opposite, which is rest, and digest, rest, and healing. So the rest and healing portion of that nervous system is housed primarily in the, in the head and the sacrum, the cranium and the sacrum. Whereas the rest of the spine operates in largely in that fight or flight uh, chain. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of us know about fight or flight. We know we're, know we're stuck in it. We spend too much time in it and it, it brings us down, uh, which we can talk a lot about today, uh, I'm sure. But what's unique is that we can actually upregulate or increase the rest and healing response by working with that craniosacral system. Now, as a chiropractor, as a brain-based chiropractor, I do a very gentle approach. My hand, my, uh, my touch is almost as light for adults as it is for kids a lot of the time. Um, and I, I definitely want to focus on bringing up that level of rest and healing in the body as well as disrupting the fight or flight, halting the fight or flight, turning off that fight or flight, especially if it's causing chronic issues. But what's really cool about this craniosacral therapy 
and I'll stand behind this all day, is it's one of the few things that really pumps up and increases and and restores the quality of that rest and healing part of the nervous system. So the, what we tell our clients is that, you know, in your nervous system, you have a gas pedal, which is stress, a brake pedal, which is rest. And when we get dysregulated in that stress and rest response, we usually get stuck stressing and we forget how to rest. And so we get anxiety and, and chronic issues and feeding issues for babies and developmental issues for kids and, and so on and so forth. And that includes back pain, neck pain, right? That all happens from the stress response. So what we tell our clients, which is, it's, it's true, right? And it, although it is also true that chiropractic alone does this as well, but we tell our clients that my focus as a chiropractor is primarily to help turn off that stress response. So taking the foot off the brake pedal, whereas craniosacral therapy, which is practiced by my wife, Christian, is to help increase the potential of that brake pedal. So to help me push the brake pedal. So we see it really thrive in ways where, uh, especially uh, adults, um, are having issues where they've been in stress for so long in their lives that their bodies don't even remember how to rest. And so we might be shutting off those stress responses one after another, and they're slowing down, their body's feeling better, they're feeling more energized and relaxed, they're sleeping better, they're handling stress better. But then they get that craniosacral therapy session, maybe a few weeks, a few weeks, a few months into care, and all of a sudden they hit that break and their, and their body slows way down. And what they tend to experience is even deeper resolution of trauma, even deeper restoration and healing, and even deeper sense of balance, both mentally, but also in the hormonal system. So we get really cool changes uh, from the combination there between the two. So I love that. Thank you for that explanation. I also know that um, we were talking the other day about and, and this is just a little less known. A lot of people realize that when you're talking about, let's just say chiropractic care, it's uh, focused on alignment in general mm -hmm. terms. It's focused on movement and moving the spine. Uh, a lot of people n are familiar with the a pinched nerve kind of word picture, but we take, we both take care of families and that includes infants and little mm -hmm. children. And we were talking the other day that it's, there's more than nerves that go down the spinal uh, canal there and, and uh, a fluid called cerebral spinal fluid is produced actually in our brain and bathes our nerves and it swishes back and forth to give nutrition to our discs. So tell, tell the audience that uh, the, the importance of this fluidic exchange, uh, whether you're doing chiropractic care or the craniosacral care in infants, because you're not having big structural issues because one, their bones haven't formed and mm -hmm. they're still very much going through a, a, a neurodevelopmental, um, yeah, yeah. like onslaught of growth, you know, 65% of neurodevelopment happens in those first two years. So those are crucial years. Tell us about that fluid part. Yeah, for sure. Well, so let me start here too. So it's easy to think about as adults, if your spine's misaligned, we think, oh, it's probably because I, you know, worked out too hard or I tripped that one time and fell. And so we, th we think our spine gets knocked out of place. I don't believe that's true at all. What I believe is happening is that the spine acts more like the circuit breaker in your breaker box, where when the switch flips off, it's not because there's anything wrong with the switch. It's the switch is doing its job to keep too much electricity from being pumped through that system and frying the wires or burning your house down. So the switch isn't the issue, but the switch is the thing that moves. That's, that's the evidence we see. Just like the misaligned bone in your spine is just evidence that your body is overrun with stress. 
So we think, well, with adults, you push their bones back. So with kids, what are you doing? Well, I'll tell you what, if you have a sensitive enough hand, you'll feel those bones in the misaligned state in babies too. But how? They're like you said, their bones aren't even formed to the point where the joints aren't even necessarily connected all the way. And so we have these floating bones of, and cartilage kind of floating in a matrix. And yet they still tend to misalign or get restricted. Not because they got knocked out of place, but because when the body gets under stress, it, it halts the normal um, pumping uh, fluid motion of this, <clears throat> what you're describing, this craniosacral therapy system, this craniosacral system. And what creates that pump? Well, the primary driver uh, it tends to, is actually the occiput of, this, of the cranium, which is the base of your skull. So you put your hand on the base of your head. That's your occiput, the base of your skull. Everybody put their hand on the, the base put of their you, skull, yeah. on the back of their head. That's your occiput. That's a little right. education and you, here. And you can keep your hand, actually keep your hand there. The base of your skull with one hand. I'm and doing the other it. hand goes right between your hips, down, and, down below your spine. It's called your sacrum, big heavy bone down there. It's an upside down triangle. Those two bones are constantly rocking back and forth, rocking forward and back, forward and back. And it's pumping the fluid up and down the spine. And that normal healthy flow of fluid is what helps to stimulate that regulation of what's the part? The rest and digest system of the, of the spine. Brake pedal. So babies, they're all brake pedal. They're mm. all brake pedal. If they go stressed, that's a huge issue. Babies should yeah. never, shouldn't have to be. Now, yes, they cry. Yes, they get upset. Yes, they fuss. But really, they're functioning that rest and digest phase. I always and say so, they are, their job is to eat, poop, sleep, and look cute. That's it. That's all rest. Yeah. That's all yeah. babies right there. That's what Rafa is doing in the other room right now. Yeah. My newborn son. That's normal function. Yeah, yeah. You have a healthy little boy, I'm sure. And you, you adjusted your son. How, when? How how long after he was born did you adjust? Did you check Rafa? So Rafa uh, chilled with dad. It was kind of unexpected. Mom had uh, a little bleeding that they needed to get under control afterwards, and she needs it to go into her bladder. So they actually just plopped. Uh, Rafa right on my chest, skin to skin. The umbilical cord was still running from him to the placenta to make sure that he gets his full blood supply. And he was crying, you know, within a matter of seconds, he was 40 at 42 weeks. So he didn't have vernix. He did. He was very pink and vibrant um, coming out and he cried right away. But he was, uh, you know, like 80% of babies uh, or more, just getting the squeeze, the vaginal canal can ca cause a unique challenge or problem to the head or neck. So I, I said to myself, well, of course I need to check my own son. And so this is probably four minutes after the birth. Mm -hmm. And I just palpated, which is just use my skills uh, that I've learned over the last decade uh, as a chiropractor of feeling um, the tonality of the upper neck. And he had a unique challenge on the left side of his head and his uh head was i noticed that it was consistently turned to the right and he wasn't really turning left so that's an indicator that he may have uh, a problem over on that left side called a subluxation and so i uh, just gently held my hand there at about i don't know the force of checking a ripe guac uh, a ripe guacamole a ripe avocado or tomato and uh, as soon as I actually had this on video, it's incredible. As soon as I uh, felt his um, neurospinal system, the tone of that area sink in and relax, he just completely melted in my on my chest and complete um, made, um, was just completely silent. Now you know I have been a chiropractor for almost a decade, Doctor Dan and you know, all this stuff conceptually and you help other kids, um, you know, 
be at ease and hit the brake pedal. But when it happens to you and you have your own, your own son, your own, you know, flesh and blood there with you, there's just something special that happened mm-hmm. there. And, uh, thank God that he just was healthy and thriving from, from the, the beginning. But I knew that even when he was, his color was good, his apgars were good. He had all five finger, all, um, five fingers on each hand and he, all the toes and he looked beautiful. And I just knew though, that this proactive, positive approach I take to life that he still needed to be checked. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because he had back pain. It wasn't because I thought his fluid was messed up. I checked him because it was proactive and positive input to the yeah. physiology of his body. Absolutely. And you pointed out too, he's, he's a health, he was a healthy birth, healthy pregnancy, healthy boy, right? However, like we, were, we were getting that with, you know, this cerebrospinal fluid. Now the fluid, the fluid should take care of itself. However, when we're under stress and strain, that's more than our body can comfortably handle, the body becomes restricted because the nervous system gets stressed out and it starts to lock up the bones, muscles, ligaments, etc. And so what you're talking about, yeah, you felt this thing out of place, right? But it didn't get knocked out of place. It didn't get, he didn't fall down or, or get tackled in football. He's, he was an infant. He's just born. Mm-hmm. And he our, went through our, the birth process. In itself. And there's, there's a really cool study that our um, our, co- our cousin's colleagues, or, you know, co- well, not my cousin personally, but as chiropractors, we have these cousins called osteopaths. And they don't do this as much as they used to, but osteopaths will sometimes still use manual um, intervention to help uh, facilitate the body's own intelligence. And so our osteopathic cousins, being part of the medical industry, they tend to do more studies than we do. So they had a study done some time ago that determined somewhere between 90 and 95, I'm sorry, 90 and 99% of all babies born, right? Not with trauma, not with birth intervention, just born, had a strain pattern in the bones of their skull or their spine that was disrupting the flow of that cerebral spinal fluid and putting tension on, on the spine. So like Dr. Ryan, I did the same. I have two little daughters. Uh, Check the first one 20 seconds after she was born because we had a traumatic birth and they were going to take her away and put her in some sort of contraption, which I know that happens often. But uh, again, God willing, I was a chiropractor. I was there. I was present. I was able to put my hands on her spine, assess her spine, adjust her. And bam, right there. She was she was perked up. She was ready to go. And we were able to keep her with us. Our second daughter born at home, much more calm, much more easy. Very, very pleasant birth. Uh, Still two and a half, three minutes later, I was holding my little daughter, Sophie. And just gave her a little check, you know, and sure enough, like you said, a little bit of opportunity. And that's what I talk about a lot in our office. There's an opportunity to create more ease, an opportunity to create more balance, an opportunity to create a greater, more effortless flow of communication in the body, a greater, more effortless flow of ease and movement of this cerebral spinal fluid that we're talking about through the system. And that opportunity is present when you look for it even in the absence of obvious disease or issue, right? Mm-hmm. But then when we do see chronic symptoms, when we do see chronic issues, especially in pretty much all the time, they're anchored back in that stress state. We, there will be present in that baby's spine and in, in that mom and dad's spine as well, in that older brother and sister, there will be these, these strain patterns, these distortion patterns present that are disrupting the flow and disrupting the flow of communication, disrupting the flow of fluid, disrupting the flow of life. And so what we do, right, is we look for that optimal potential. We look for that opportunity to turn the body back towards health. You know, I'm our, our, our one of our founders, BJ Palmer, the son of the founder, right? BJ Palmer said, 
in one of his books. He said, uh, you're either you're either moving towards dis-ease or towards health. There is no in between. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we you're see always that. on the spectrum somewhere and you're always going yeah. one way or the other. Yeah. This life is in motion. So mm-hmm. if you're not moving towards health, then you're moving the other way. So we, we try to make sure the body's moving towards health no matter where it is in life. Absolutely. I love that. Um, so anyone that's held a baby knows how this, you know, kind of squishy and, and fluidic they are. So now you know why uh, children, one reason why infants and children need to be checked is that they mm-hmm. still have just like an adult, even though it's a little bit more immature, it's still as complex and firing billions of billions of cascades of neurotransmitters and communication signals throughout the body. Ever since they were even in the womb, the nervous system is the first system to form Mm -hmm. and it then gives branches off and uh, gives way to all other systems and organs and muscles and tissues and cells in the body. So uh, that's why I love what we do, Dr. Dan, because if we're working with an infant or we're working with a 50 year old, the same story you'll always hear from us because this is true anatomically and structurally is that the nervous system can get stuck in fight or flight. And what our job is to try to stimulate that vagus nerve system, which is part of that rest and healing system and to make that communication as smooth as possible. And I love how you word it. You are just such a wordsmith. I like to not looking for problems, but also looking for opportunities because when we're trying to tap into human potential, we're, we're inevitably going to get to a point if we do go on a healing and a seeking journey of health and well-being, that we may get to a point where we don't have disease. We just have this dash ease or a disruption. And that is always an opportunity to uh, put positive inputs or what BJ Palmer, uh, the, the founder's son called constructive, uh, positive, constructive survival values. And mm-hmm. so these are ways not only to help us survive, but to help us thrive. And that's such a cool thing about, uh, chiropractic care, craniosacral, um, therapy care is that you don't have to have a, a something wrong, a pathology, a crisis even though most of our world lives from a crisis to crisis, sort of like a roller coaster ride, it dips down, then you're waiting, you're ratcheting it up and waiting for that next big fall because it's inevitable when people solely rely on uh, drugs and surgery to try to create health. Those situations are for emergency situations in times when we actually do have disease or a pathological process going on. Well, I think we see that a lot in, in parents who come in and say, well, you know, I, I see an issue. My parental intuition tells me mm. there's a little bit of an issue here. Yes. Their, their shoulders are really tight. And, we, and, you know, right now I'm talking about, an, um, you know, between the ages of zero, six months, zero to a year, their shoulders are really tight. They're always really tense. They don't want to turn their head to the one side. You know, yeah, I had cracked nipples. Mom, mom might, might say I had cracked nipples on the one side because they couldn't, they couldn't really feed well on that side. But the doctor said, don't worry, they'll grow out of it. Right. My child's not pooping properly. Don't worry. They'll grow out of it. Too much reflux. Don't worry. They'll grow out of it. Move forward a little bit, a little bit of, um, milestone delays. Don't worry. They'll grow out of it. Right. That's, that's the tagline that we hear so often, but don't worry. They'll grow out of it. Ignores what's the, what's causing it. Mm. It ignores what's causing it. That's saying I'm only concerned about the symptom. As long as the symptom goes away, I don't care what it turns into. 
if there's no drug or surgery, surgical intervention to throw at it, then there's nothing to do, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's what happens when we put um, the soul, um, the sole responsibility of health building into um, you know, allopathic medicine or modern medicine, because without the opportunity for fine tuning, we get stuck in this, in this idea of, well, if I can't treat it with a drug, then there must be nothing wrong. Hmm. However, I just had a mom come in just the other day. I uh, was talking about um, her own child. Well, she brought her, you know, she brought her child in. So her and her, it was her and her child. She's telling me about the birth and telling me about her child. And it's like, well, I don't, she's like, you know, I don't think the issues are that bad. It's not really, I know there's not, you know, I, I don't want to complain. He's a healthy kid, but I just noticed just what I'm talking about. I just noticed his shoulders really tight. He doesn't want to turn his head to one side. He can't really feed when he turns his head to a certain direction. And we had a pretty traumatic birth. Okay. Well, Hey, listen, that's a, that's, that's a picture right there of from a parent standpoint, an obvious deviation from perfect balance and perfect expression of health, right? When we know, like, I feel like as a parent that my child has more potential here, mm. even though technically by the book, there's nothing diagnosably wrong with them. What do you think? Right? So as a chiropractor, we say, well, let's see, let me, let me do my analysis. Let me check and do an exam with this child and see if the evidence of that distortion and that restriction and that those tension and stress and strain patterns in the spine are present. And if they're stuck that way, because if they're stuck that way, they're not going to grow out of it. Mm -hmm. You're going to need some support in getting, getting through that. And so if I can tell one quick story, actually, please um, do. Ryan, I love stories. So we talked about, um, just this, this week in the office, we were sharing a story about my wife, Christian. So, uh, you, you mentioned, you know, babies to 50 year olds, right? Well, she's only turning 30 this year, so she's not 50 yet, but she's turning 30. Um, uh, and I met her when she was 21. And when I met Christian, she was, uh, she had what we call chronic hypervigilance. So hypervigilance means that your, um, alarm system or your, 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 your danger alert system is always on high. And if you can picture this, in your brain, in your brain, in your brain, in your brain. Yes. Thank you. Appreciate that in your brain. So what you can picture is that let's say you have like, um, a motion, motion detector in your brain for all, for the, for the area around your body. So someone walks up behind you, you can kind of tell they're there. Well, somebody who's hypervigilant is going to have that detection system spread out across an entire house. Right? So what would happen when I first um, met my wife, Christian, when we started dating, if I were in the kitchen and I dropped a pan and she were in the living room, she would drop to the floor and cower down like like her body was under attack and she'd go oh wait nothing happened okay i can get back out of that but we saw that her body was easily overwhelmed overstressed overstimulated oversignaled for danger and that translated into lack of self-confidence major social anxiety a uh, lack of feeling of, of a lack of safety in her body feeling of danger feeling like things were going to fall apart at any moment on a regular basis so when i met her it was when she started getting chiropractic care and at that time, I'm gonna, you know, throw myself under the bus. I was a student at the time. I wasn't that. I wasn't any good. Um, but we started working with her. She started getting adjusted. And within two years, that hypervigilance was gone, completely. Now, did she still have some stress and anxiety? Well, sure. We get anxious sometimes. We get stressed sometimes. As parents, now we're both, we're both obviously parents of two girls. We get stressed, right? But then seven years later, she's still getting stronger, better, more well-regulated, more stable. As am I, right? This healthward upward health journey. So here's her story though. Where did that hypervigilance start? The hypervigilance started in the hospital. Christian was born 11 weeks premature. Not, uh, I mean, hey, you gotta forgive me here. I might be saying the wrong number. It's nine or 11, somewhere in there. It was, it was, she was premature by a significant margin. 
um, was put in the NICU for several weeks and her mother could only, you know, put her finger in the little hole in the incubator and have Christian hold her mom's finger. Right? So without that sense of protection and safety provided by the parent, right, you mentioned Ryan, that you had to hold Rafa because uh, Andrew had to go um, take care of her own, her bleeding and, and her own bathroom habits. Right. So you got to fill that role. Right. But first things first, baby needs mom. If you can't have mom, baby needs dad. Right. And needs protection, needs safety, needs guarding because we are what help their little infantile nervous system start to regulate itself. It's our mature nervous system. So without that protection stuck in the NICU, Christian's body had to do what I just described, extend its infantile alarm system way outside of the body, which babies aren't designed to do. And so her body gets stuck in chronic fight or flight from the moment of birth. So that then dictated development. That then dictated uh, her trajectory through life yeah. to where now as an adult, you know, this, it's still, again, it's still an opportunity to heal no matter where in her life she decides to stop and take a look at that. Man, so, I, I, that's such a cool story because I actually just um, watched a TED talk about this little girl. She's seven years old. Her name's Molly Wright. And the title of her talk was How Every Child Can Thrive by Five. And the three main points, there were five things, but the three main things that she said, and we can, we can bring this in to a, uh, you know, uh, different words or different, you know, maybe a holistic um, picture here. But what the three things she said was that for a child to thrive, they have to connect with that child. The parent must connect with the child. So for instance, when Rafa needed a, a safety, he was skin to skin on me. His nervous system, uh, the outset, by the way, just a little quick thing for the audience, that the nervous system is made, like the, the tissue that makes our nerves is the same tissue, comes from an ectodermal layer of tissue uh, that our skin is. So our skin is quite literally our nervous system on the outside that we intake the world and, and experience our world through. And so we were skin to skin. So we were connecting. What was I doing? I was talking to him. I heard in the video me saying over and over, you're my little dude. You're my little dude. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of silly, but um, I was talking to him. We were connecting and I was, I was playing with him. So I was like, rubbing his chest and I was like feeling his arms and like massaging his arms. And uh, just to give you an example, a real life example of how you could make a disconnection, a, a lack of talking and a lack of play is just to pick up your device as a parent and you pay attention to your device. And in this talk, this little seven-year-old is, is showing this interaction with this dad and this little one, he, and the dad just purposely picks up the iPad, stops connecting with him, stops touching him, stops playing with him, stops talking to him. And you can see the distress in this little one-year-old's body. And he finally just rolls over helpless and cries. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it was just like, that actually is, you know, go watch this TED Talk. That's what happens to people mm -hmm. when they're not connected. When you don't talk to them, they don't feel heard or seen. And you can't play with people. You can't recreate with people. So that's why COVID, one of the reasons COVID was so tragic for so many. And, and this, you know, it's May, it's Mental Health Month. 
um, is that people couldn't connect. People couldn't recreate. People couldn't go have a beer after work. People couldn't go exercise together. The pickleball courts were taped off, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it was, however we connect and recreate, we are literally made to connect with each other, to be present with each other, to play with each other. So that's just a beautiful example of like how something can start. That wasn't of Christian's fault. That's not a choice that Christian made. But sometimes these things just happen in life. And that's okay. It's just part of your journey. And I encourage people to go back and just listen to healing stories on this podcast. Because you will see that everybody's healing story is different. But a main theme of when you face your your fears and when you actually come through that problem or that unique challenge that you have, it actually ends up being uh, a driver of purpose in your life, a triumph to become a more healthy and happy and uh, connected person. So I feel like in life and there's nothing wasted, you know, we may, we may become prodigal uh, sons and daughters for a while, but I feel like no matter what, there's always something to learn. And that brings me to my next point. Tell us a little bit about neuroplasticity and how we're always learning and how that has to do with using, if you know this, using stress to your advantage, if you Mm -hmm. know about neuroplasticity and how your brain can change. Let's tie it right back into into family care, right? So let's do it. um, We're talking about how to, like how connection and bonding with a newborn is so powerful for their nervous system. Well, what if we, what if we were wounded when we were children? What if we were abandoned? What if we have trauma? What if we have these connect these attachment issues where we do disassociate, we have a hard time being present, or maybe we're emotionally stagnant and we have a hard time getting connected emotionally with people. Well, the good news is we can process that stress and trauma today and we can change our brains today, right? So on a very real and fast paced level, up until we're 28 to 30 years old, our frontal cortex, the very human and, and awake part of our brain is still developing, right? Even after that, from 30 years old to the day you die, I don't care if you're 120, your, your brain is still creating new pathways and still turning over. It's, it's, so the plasticity, the plastic part is really, we don't think of plastic as being moldable, but it's like Play-Doh. Hmm. It's moldable, right? We can, it can change. Yeah. Uh, and so as an adult, if we can start to generate that new brain function, that new adaptability, that new opportunity for connection, that new opportunity for presence and, and patience, then we start to uh, change the environment in which our kids are going to grow up, right? And start to mold their environment. And here's a super cool thing. I actually learned this from um, a chiropractor in our profession who had passed away some time ago, Jeannie Ohm. She said that um, when we eye gaze with our children and look in deep into their eyes and, and, and do facial expressions with them, that it actually is healing and rejuvenating for our vagus nerve, especially the social engagement branch of our nervous system where it allows us to connect with people. Hmm. Right? So it's not just about you know healing in the nervous system. Yes, we can use brain-based chiropractic care to help with back pain, to help with um, digestive issues, sleep issues. Um, but I think it's more, it's more about how does, do we transform the way you relate to the, your world, to your life, to your future, to who you are, to your past, to your family? Uh, and how all of that works is largely dictated by our brain. But the good news is we start to work on it today. In six months, in six years, it's going to be a way different brain and we're going to be a way different person because we started to kind of lean against that 
hardwired brain function and it started to melt beneath our attention, right? And shift and change and transform. And so, you know, when we're working with um, families in the office versus individuals, we always see change happen faster because one of the biggest ways change happens. So let me back up for a second. Stress is important because stress causes us to uh, respond and react and it actually is necessary for growth. Hmm. However, stress in the absence of enough stability and safety causes dis-ease and, and issues and distortions and, dis and dysregulation. So one of the most powerful things you can do to help someone in your family, someone in your life, yourself, so your whole family, handle stress better is to increase the quality of connection. Because what we call social safety cues, which is connection, relationship, um, communication, those things actually increase our ability to handle more stress, which means we get to grow from stress more, right? So these what things would are be an example to... of a social safety cue. Oh, being allowed to express emotions uh, and not be shut down, um, to be allowed to feel afraid and not be shut down, to have regular times every day where the family is together. Um, you know, we our kids are one in three, but we eat together every single day and we make sure we pray before our meals and we have routine and consistency and safety. We, we, um, you know, we, be we believe in our, our bodies. We believe that our bodies can heal themselves. And if anyone in our family forgets that, then we support each other by reminding each other. Hmm. Um, and we have a strong, a strong safety network, a strong social network, right? Yeah. In our family. Uh, and th those are prime social safety cues. I mean, they get much more, um, uh, specific or, or nuanced than that. Uh, but that's that's the the gist of it, right? Is literally creating a sense of safety, inclusivity, uh, and actually a big one is um, the sense of long term inclusivity, right? Mm. Really vision, thinking about the future together, visioning the future together in a way that doesn't overwhelm somebody, right? If I tell my wife, I'm gonna we're gonna do this with the practice, we're gonna move across the country, we're gonna, you know, there's so if you can, you know, if you can, you can overwhelm people by talking about the future, so you can't right. just go off on a tangent, but letting everyone know that, hey, we're in this together for a long time to come. Mm. That creates a sense of safety. Right. And, and on your website, you say families that heal together, feel together. Explain that. What would that mean in like a family care? Like if someone's getting, uh, the whole family's coming in and, and they're experiencing and feeling through mm -hmm. these these experiences together. Yeah. I think, I, I guess there's kind of two meanings behind that. One is... Um, that quite literally, again, going back to the social engagement piece, which is it requires a nervous system that's not stuck in fight or flight. Let me say that again. So if you're stuck in fight or flight, you, you're not going to be able to engage that social engagement, connection, relationship building system as well, where you're building and, and offering those social safety cues. Uh, if you're stuck in fight or flight, it's kind of every man for himself in a way, because you're all living out of your automatic behaviors and automatic habits. Um, however, if we start to shut that off and get people connected to themselves, they can connect to each other. So on a very literal level, it's like if everyone's out of stress and everyone's feeling more at ease and everyone's more present, then you're going to notice that you're, you're literally communicating with, with each other more. You're, you're being more present with each other. You're more patient with each other. Uh, and then what that allows, again, it allows feelings to be expressed, it allows feelings to be emerged rather than suppressed because uh, the suppression of feelings is the suppression of our, of our, I mean, in a way, it's the expression of our vital energy. If we can't, if we can't allow feelings and emotions to move, then we're not allowing the, the energy of our body to even to even be expressed or moved. And that's getting into maybe a different discussion. But sure. um, 
yeah, I think that the main point being that if we are in a state, if we're, if we're out of fight or flight, then we can get in connection, presence and relationship building function. And yeah. that's where we're going to start to, uh, literally as a family, Hey, maybe you can get to know each other better. Like, do we, do I know my wife as well as I could? Do I know my children as well as I could? I'm guilty of going on my phone when I should be hanging out with them. And so we want to build a, a, a nervous system that's capable of it so that you can build the habits to support it. Right. It's not going to happen automatically. Right. But, but if you don't have a nervous system that's capable, then we're all going to be defaulting to our trauma patterns. So we make it, we make it an option first so that you can make it a priority. Yeah. I like that. And I want to, I want to play like just a little game on that with, uh, families. Uh, this is obviously a big, has become a big topic in my life lately because of my, the birth of my, my, um, newborn son recently, Rafa James Schrock and how, how I look at the future is that as a family unit, I want to be able to go through the ex these experiences together and, and use a uh, positive, proactive healthcare inputs to aid us as a family, as a unit, as a, as a, maybe a, you could even look at your family as a team, because that, that team word denotes that everyone on the team one time or another, whether you're doing the bench or you're out on the floor, everybody, the coach decided at some point that everybody's needed on that team, that there's players there for a reason. They're not just hanging out just to hang out. So uh, tell us a little bit about what it looks like, what is look what like what a family that hasn't been under care before together what that actually looks like in your office. Does everyone come in together? Does everyone have their own turn? What does it give people like a picture of what that looks like? So does that they could picture themselves doing things with their family like this. Yeah. It's all over the spectrum, all over the spectrum. So we have families, we have people who've been coming to our office. Uh, we've been open for four years here at our location in, in Chigrin Falls. Ohio here. And uh, so we have people who are on their third and fourth year of care. Where in Ohio? Uh, Sh Chagrin Falls. Okay. Chagrin Falls. People on the east side of Cleveland. East side of Cleveland. There you go. Tone of life chiropractic. You just found right. your new home. That's right. Um, so you know, we have people coming to our office who've been coming to us for three, four years who are just now bringing some family members in sometimes, right? Maybe, um, you know, a husband or, or, you know, didn't want to get under care, but now he's decided to kind of give it a try or hmm. a child, you know, they're just kind of coming to realize that the child really does have some struggles that they didn't really understand up front. Um, but then we have other families where we have people coming in, bring in multiple family members right off the bat, right? Cause they've been following us on Instagram and they understand kind of what we're doing. And so they see how it's valuable for their family. Hmm. Uh, and then the, obviously the in-between too, where you have maybe just a mom and a baby or families come in in a staggered fashion, we'll start one, then we'll start another, then we'll start another. It just depends what, what works for the family. Right. So I, right. a lot of times what I tell you, we do see is that, um, a lot of moms want to bring their kids in first which is awesome, right? I mean, starting earlier means there's more, there's more change we can make in a baby's nervous system for their life in a way that kind of has a, um, well, it, it, it shakes the foundation in a different way, you know, to take care of a baby versus being taken care of in your thirties or forties for the first time. Um, but at the same time, a lot of these moms who bring their kids in first are putting themselves last 
mm-hmm. and saying, well, I'll take care of myself when everyone else is, is perfect, right? When in reality, mom in particular, although a lot of times these dads, but I don't want to let the dads off the hook. We're very much responsible, but the dads are to be admit, you know, admittedly, you'll notice dads aren't as quick to get under chiropractic care as, as moms are. Usually you wait until they're debilitating, mm-hmm. you know, debilitating pain, yep. <laughs> crippling pain. Um, but equally as true though, if the parent is chronically stressed, anxious, high strung, uh, prone to outbursts, not very patient, can't keep their head straight, or if they're emotionally disconnected, that's going to affect the kids. Mm-hmm. And so we might be taking care of a child whose primary stressor is their stressed out parent. And that's going to change the game. So a lot of times we'll just straight up say, hey, listen, this is this is what's going to, this is going to be the best course of action is if you want your, to see the kind of changes in your, shop, in your child that you're asking about, it's very possible. And we're going to get there twice as fast if you get under care as well, because your stress out nervous system is acting as a beacon of stress to theirs. Right. And that's very real. I mean, it comes back to that families that heal together, feel together idea. Um, is that what are you going to do if you're trying to push one person uphill, but everyone else is dragging down? Because, you know, if you're not healing, you're hurting, then it can be a huge barrier to, to recovery and to healing and to health. Yeah, I agree. And how I like that you've, um, I've been posting a little bit on, on social media, Instagram about manpower and how, you know, guys just don't feel like themselves anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, usually there's a sense of like loss of power or control, or I just had a father start and they, it was so, it was so awesome. They came in the other day and they, they let me do some, some videoing so I could talk to people about how the personalized care that we, we render is it looks a lot different. You know, it's going to look a lot different for, let's just call her, um, Elizabeth because she's 16 and, you know. I don't know, maybe a hundred pounds soaking wet. She's very, very tiny frame versus dad He works out. He, uh, is, is a little bit bulkier. Uh, and he, he's going to need different care possibly than, than what Elizabeth did. And the dad was in this case, the last one to get under care. So yeah, where dads are always, you know, we're always walking it off. Right. <laughs> Until the point of being debilitated, or we, uh, we just don't think we need it. Like there's some block in our mind that says, well, I, I move, I, I do, you know, breath work or meditation or functional movement, or I go to CrossFit or I do core activation, right? I, I do my, you know, practices and, and I play ball with the guys on the weekends. I, I'm a weekend warrior and I just get it all done in the weekend. But that doesn't, that doesn't negate the fact that that man is the leader of the household. Oftentimes has a lot of responsibility on their plate. Not that the mom doesn't, but we play these roles in our families. And it's important for the dad to be able to be himself, to be able to show up how he wants to. And so I just encourage all, all of the men out there that are going to listen to this, that even if you're last better late than never to the game guys. And mm-hmm. so I wish more men, would step up and show their family. And that's what I try to do for my family. I, I try to step up and show my family how to move well, how to eat well, and how to think well. My wife is really good at the eating well. I'm catching up and I'm very good at the moving well. So we, we 
make a great team there. And so uh, I, I just think that's yeah. cool that when families do this together, though, they were all joking around. I was just sitting there back laughing and I took a picture of them at our front desk and I was like, I'm going to send this to you guys because this is the first time you guys ever got adjusted together. And like, you guys are just cutting up, having a good time. Like, it was funny, like the, their teenage son was kind of sitting off to the side, you know, just being a teenager. And it was just hilarious. So I took a picture of him on the couch and then like the rest of the family kind of goofing off together. And so uh, let's talk a little bit about how fun it can be to live, uh, to step into this holistic realm. And so to kind of wrap this up is how fun it can be to to try these new things. And uh, tell us a little bit about how this can be fun. I know that's like a little, we didn't even discuss, sure. we were, I wasn't going to discuss this, but I'm, I'm just in a fun mood. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, it just, I mean, I'll make it personal to me. You know, I, I don't go a week without getting adjusted. I get adjusted every week. Um, and I can tell you when I don't, if I don't, then stress goes high, right? Mm -hmm. Patience goes low, uh, brain fog goes up, energy goes down. Right. And so then how, how are you going to be engaged? How are you going to be present? And again, let's, I mean, if you're talking to guys right now, dude, it's productivity at work. You know, it's presence in the office. It's, it's, it's the way you, you, you know, are able to move through the world as well as to lead your family, to be present with your kids, be present with your wife. Like it's all, it's all very important. Mm -hmm. And so we want to talk about having fun. I mean, what, how, what kind of mental state do you want to come from if you're trying to have fun? And I don't mean to dismiss because the, the pain's important too. If you're stuck in chronic pain, sure, you're not going to have any fun. You're going to be, you're going to be having to sit out, sit on the sidelines, not get engaged, not get in the ring with everybody. But understand this, chronic pain more often comes from stress in the nervous system, mental stress, emotional stress, unprocessed, unexpressed, right? So it all ties together. And so, you know, when it comes down to fun, you got to just like the connection and social engagement, you got to create a nervous system that's able to have fun. Hmm. You know, it's able to get present, to get involved and to, to have authentic, open, expressive uh, emotions and to laugh authentically and not feel cooped up and suppressed and say, well, you know, I'm just a serious guy. I'm, I just don't really, no, 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 no. If we're feeling suppressed and, uh, and oppressed in our emotions and we're not feeling really present, that's not right. Right. That's not, that's not health. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's one way to look at it. Yeah. And, and I would just say to anyone, the listening out there is that if you do find yourself, since this is May, I just keep going back to this because I just got a, um, an email from one of my like-minded colleagues. That's a client that, um, he does resilience coaching. So he teaches people how to find the gratitude in their life to, um, to harness practices and self-care to then go out and, and make a difference in other people's lives. And, and when they do come about stress, they're more resilient where you have this armor that is functional, that, that the stress just kind of bounces off or you can process it more quickly. And so he was talking about May being mental health month. And one thing I find when, when someone's subluxated or someone, what I like to call just someone's unique problem of their nervous system, that's trying to adapt is that you don't feel like you're, having fun anymore, that your mood has changed, that you're irritated, that a lot of anger is there. I actually like when people are angry because that means there's a lot of energy there. And so if mm -hmm. we can just shift that energy and move the energy state into a less inflamed, angry state into a, an enthusiastic, motivated, inspired, empowered person, watch out because that person can change the world. And so I, I like the fact that we can tie chiropractic into 
you know, sometimes moms even just come in and say, my boy's not acting right. Or they just have this intuitive feel of just something's off. I'm just not feeling myself. I'm observing my kids. They're just, they're bananas right now. I don't know what's going on. It seems like they're shut down and uh, I can see it in their posture. And so I always say moms are like the best, you know, I, I think they say that Mayo Clinic has like a, at best, like 40 to 50% correct diagnosis, right? I think moms usually are like 100% just right. When if you just actually just listen to the moms, doctors, okay? If the doctors are listening out there. But uh, how else How else do you see it feel like um, like if someone has, has not engaged in this type of care before? What are some other ways just to wrap up? What are some other self-care measures? Or is there anything that you could a tool that you could give people that they could just try at home or with their family. Yeah, man. Um, there's a perfect image I have in my head. I'm not, I can't, obviously can't share it here. It exists in my head. Um, but a, a colleague of ours designed this um, kind of pyramid, you know, image explaining the order of operations for what creates the most change in the body with brain-based care being the foundation of that, of that change. And then above that, you have exercise, you have meditation, you have um, diet, um, biohacking, any kind of biohacking supplementation. That's all That's all good stuff. Do what you want to do. Um, take the best advice you can find and, and run with it. But there's something in between all those things you can do activity-wise and you know, the foundational piece of the brain-based care that actually is more closely tied to changing the nervous system. Uh, and I learned this from, from taking some courses in trauma psychology that I was able to actually swing some CEs with. It's pretty cool in Ohio. I got, you know, 18 credit hours worth of uh, this incredible course of, of education from people like um, Bessel van der Kolk, who wrote The Body Keeps the Score. Mm, yeah. Uh, Peter, Levine, Peter Levine, who's the, who developed um, somatic experiencing. He's a really, really cool psychologist who's doing some great work in the field. And they're talking about how... Um, well, actually, I guess I did touch on this earlier. I'm just going to say it again because I want to really drive it home. Yes, please do. That um, secure relationships do more for allowing somebody to process and resolve trauma. In this case, by trauma, I mean anything that's stuck in your nervous system stress-wise. Secure, supportive relationships actually create the are the, one of the most important indicators of whether somebody's going to overcome a challenging situation or not, right? And so that's huge. Yes. The first thing you can do is love your family, love your family, eat dinner together, spend time together, do things together, right? Support each other. Um, and then the one right above that, which everyone really knows already, but I'm going to say it anyway, mindfulness is, yeah. uh, is just, is super powerful. But those two things, you know, gently applied, you don't have to be, you know, <laughs> you don't have to go home and be a vigilante with your family. Like, all right, everyone put your phones right. We're all going to eat dinner together. You know, like just right. take it easy. Yeah. One step at a time. Maybe a moment to moment awareness. You yeah. Know, maybe start with that. Yeah. Like, like, oh, wow. I just picked up my phone again. Or, you know, I mean, I, mm -hmm. I, I find that that's the same thing with me is that there's, there's times where I just, I'm like, wow, I'm down a rabbit hole. Where did I go? I, I'm on my phone. I'm clicking through this and clicking through that. It's like, yeah. I, I don't even know where that half hour went. So sure. it happens to the best of best of all us. Of us. Yeah. It yeah, happens all. all. Of us. Yeah. It's a universal thing. Is distraction is, yeah. is certainly an enemy of the mind. Well, and I'll say too. I think one of the biggest things you know, we say mindfulness. A lot of people think meditation. You don't have to do 30, 60 minute meditations. You don't have to do, you don't have to do 20 minute meditations. Mindfulness includes what, what you're talking about. Just checking yourself. I'm not checking my phone. What am I doing with myself right now? 
But also I think a lost art is being aware and tuned into what's going on inside of your body. How is my body feeling? What am I noticing arising in my body right now? What is my body telling me? What sensations do I feel? That is a huge and really cool anchor um, to noticing, to starting to build that mindfulness in a way that's going to change your, your neurology and your neurochemistry. Yeah. And if you really have a really hard time doing that, then use the, the world around you as, a, as a, uh, a reference point, right? Where am I in this room right now? How, how is this person in front of me responding to me right now, right? What, what kind of energy am I putting off, right? Being able to touch, tap into that kind of stuff um, is a lost art. Right, because we're such sure. an externalized culture. Yep. Um, and this aware and this mindfulness can even be as uh, as simple as so. I just give you guys an example of something I do. I have a heart, uh, a stone heart, in my practice that says trust. And when I look over at that, almost every time as I'm about to serve or, or see someone, it just. It, it anchors me. It's, a, it's an actual physical thing that anchors me to the moment of, okay, your heart is in this profession and, and, and this is a calling and this person's here for a reason. And just make sure that you're trusting in life. You're trusting in that intelligence of the body that heals itself, that self-regulates and that relief that also is can flip into a state to release trauma and unwind tension that is unneeded in that person's life. So that's like a physical anchor. And then another thing that I learned from uh, some chiropractors is just to actually feel my feet on the floor and uh, to feel my hands as I'm about to touch someone. And then a mantra that I learned from, uh, I just had him on a podcast, Dr. Arnaud Bernier is uh, ground, center, open your heart. And mm -hmm. with that just little simple mantra, it can be anything. I actually encourage someone to just make a mantra for your, your day or make a mantra for, um, or, or just, you know, it doesn't have to be like anything fancy. It just needs, it could just be like focus, you know, and, and just some kind of word. Uh, sometimes people have a physical anchor, like I said, about the heart. And then sometimes you just want to go right to your body and say, okay, my feet on the ground. Let's just feel my feet on the ground. Uh, another thing that I use with kids is the pose, I just call it triangle, but the downward dog pose of yoga not only slows the heart down, heart rate down, but it gets the hands and the feet grounded on the floor. And if they can do it outside, even better. But I can't tell you how many times I've just had parents say that triangle thing that you taught my kid, they will go do that if they're like, you know, like out of sorts, or I say, lay down and put your feet up the wall and wiggle your toes, you know, for, for like 30 seconds or to a minute. And those little physical things that you can do to change the state of your body is huge for even kids. So I, I, I do you have anything, other things like that? Mindfulness practices or anything that come to mind? Oh, you mentioned up? my favorite, you mentioned my favorite one. What's your favorite? Especially, especially, uh, with the weather changing, man, getting outside barefoot, uh, yeah. barehanded. Yeah. Nothing, nothing compares. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And just to, just to reiterate, just for, to, as we wrap up, um, uh, the other positive inputs other than just proactive, positive health care in terms of craniosacral care, in terms of chiropractic care on a regular basis is breath work, is meditation, is functional movement, is core activation, is emotional processing techniques. There are so many 
resources. Like we live in the best time ever because there's just so many resources that we have at our fingertips, literally. So I don't feel people have an excuse. They just don't necessarily know what direction to go. So we're just on this podcast. This is why we do this to educate and empower you that these are options and you can start them and and feel different right now today. And so I just wanted to let everybody know that um, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to come on. I want to honor you, Daniel. I, I, we, it's like this, this journey that we've been on together and how we've reconnected this year is nothing but a divine and and God sent uh, calling. I think to both of our hearts is that uh, I just feel like we're totally different people than we used to know. And we're almost like two living examples of how, how people can really change and how, you know, years of friendship, uh, you know, we, we've been in touch sometimes and we have been out of touch at other times, but, um, you know, we've been on this journey together. We're, so we're, we would be like two friends talking and, and being on this health journey together, like, you know, seven years into the process and be like, dude, do you remember when we used to do this or like that? We didn't really take good care of our bodies. You know, we like, I don't care who you are. If you've been through grad school, it is not a healthy process. <laughs> it's stress. It's under, uh, under, uh, sleeping. It's overeating. It's, it's, it's just, it's just not a great conducive environment to health, but I just want to honor you for all the, the, the changes I've seen in your life and for helping me be a better dad, because even just, you know, talking to you on FaceTime every once in a while, and, uh, you know, Izzy will pop in and say hello or whatever. And it's just, it's just really helped me, you know, your encouragement and your prayers and everything that you've been doing for me this last year has made a huge impact on my life. So I really strongly believe that uh, these secure and positive and loving and intimate relationships, um, men and women need to to seek these out, these secure and positive relationships. I I fullheartedly agree. So I want to thank you for being on the podcast today. And um, I want to, this is something that uh, as the last thing that I want to ask you is that what is, uh, what's just making your heart on fire right now in life? that you can share with everybody. Like what's well, just something that's going on right now? Yeah. First of all, I just want to appreciate you having me on here, man. Thank you so much for saying all that. It really, really moves me. And um, yeah, number one, dude, I'll tell you right up. Uh, Jesus has been most of my heart since, since we've been talking in the past year, like Ryan, you mentioned that we kind of rekindled our relationship. Um, I've had an incredible year. Uh, came to, came to Christ about three years ago, approximately. And this past year has been just an incredible uh, journey of getting to know him um, and learning to uh, put him above me and, and to follow him. And so, yeah, that's, that's other than chiropractic, it's been my family, chiropractic and, and Christ, man. That's what I focus on. I love it. So, yeah. I, I don't, not, and for all the, for all the people out there, not that I don't slip up, we all slip up, um, but we keep going at it. Right. And that's what starts to change us and starts to transform us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Consistency. It's a, it's a great friend of health is just, you know, if we, if one, one thing that's been transformational for me this last year is to drop the blame, shame, and guilt trip that I've been on or the self-sabotage that I've engaged in for years and just say, you know what, I'm going to allow myself the grace because Jesus did by going to the cross and, and taking our sin upon his back 
literally that uh, he doesn't see me like that. And so God doesn't, God's not mad at you. If you're listening out there, God's not mad at you. God dearly loves you. And once that we can um, get around secure, positive people and people that to uh, that um, reinforce this, this belief and this knowing that God is for you, then it changes your life. It, it's actually, it's, it's literally transformational. Like you're not the same person that you ever were, were or um, you, you just keep growing. So I always say, keep going and keep growing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Love it. Thanks, man. I'm going to um, hit the outro. So stay on the air for just a second. I just want to say goodbye to you, my friend, but thanks for being on today. Here we go on the outro. There we grow again, Life Alive Tribe. I'm so grateful you stopped by. We say something around here every single time. No matter where you are right now, it's time to pick your chin up, roll your shoulders back, and say, I choose to live a life totally alive.